When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, recording this on Sunday evening, right after the Knicks beat the Sacramento Kings at home by a score of 112 to 99. This was New York's fourth consecutive win. That's officially the longest win streak of the season. Uh, the team's now 14 and 13, so one game over 500. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about tonight's game because it was kind of a weird one. And we're going to get into what's just been going right for the Knicks lately. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right. And before I introduce my co-hosts, I'm going to remind you guys again, uh, if you aren't already, please subscribe to Talking Knicks on YouTube. We are posting our full uh, episodes there as well as some video breakdowns and stuff like that. So definitely check that out. Um, Joining me are Kenny and Greg Poon. Guys, what's going on? Kenny, I'll start with you. What's up? How are you? Were you in the city this weekend? Uh, I was in the city. I, uh, Greg and I, I, um, I went to Villanova. Greg went to BC. Villanova was playing BC in uh, Newark. So I stopped by, hung out with Greg for a minute, hung out with my college roommate in uh, Moynihan. Have you been there, Tom? I have not. It's the the new, I don't know if it's in Penn Station, it's a part of Penn Station, or if it's like next it's to the, Penn Station. It's the Amtrak in Penn Station. All right, so it's the Amtrak in Penn Station, but like it was a very nice area. There was like a nice, nice little uh, food court where we got some some food and watched the uh, end of the the what was that England France game, which was a wild ending to uh to the game. And so uh, you know that was good time. Went to the the BC Villanova game, also a good time. And uh, then I went home today. I had lunch with other friends of ours, Jim and Sue's friends of the pod, and. Uh, just been relaxing watching the Knicks ever since. That's a nice little weekend. Yeah. Greg, any, anything to add? Or was it mostly the same? Yeah, it's just similar. Uh, I mean, Villanova won by a, by a large chunk. The spread was only nine and a half. I was trying to bet on it in New Jersey, but for some reason they didn't have that game up. And, I mean, I told Kenny it was a sure thing. Villanova was going to cover nine and a half, but him and his friend were like, "Oh, we're not that good this year." But I'm not a I'm not a gambler, and Villanova is very much just getting their footing. They're three and zero since uh, Cam Whitmore got back, who's one of their two best players who have both been injured. Well, uh, and I'll say BC hasn't had its footing in over ten years, so <laughs> I think nine and a half was safe, and we could be we wouldn't even have to be doing this pod if you had trusted me. Yeah, that's true. Should have bet the farm. You would not need the money that you generate from this podcast. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was, you, a, that was good. It was a good experience. How was your weekend, Tom? Yeah, it sounds like all three of us were in New York City at the same time. Uh, I was in there with my wife. Every year we do a little uh, little day trip into the city. We got a babysitter, um, my brother, Mikey, who you guys know, and his fiance Victoria, babysat my son. And uh, yeah, we we went in, went to Bryant Park. I will say we didn't know that it was SantaCon until it was way too late, until babysitters had been booked, and we, you know, it was a, uh, it became clear to us when we got to um, the Metro North, and it was just filled with people scantily clad Santa Clauses and Mrs. Clauses. Um, it's a rough time to be in New York City during SantaCon. So I had a similar thing. I did not run into any of, well, I ran into some Santa Clauses, none of these scantily clad ones that you were talking about. But like I got to the to the train station and like the parking lot was like pretty full and I was wondering what was going on. Then I got into the train and I'm like, yeah, it's Santa Con today, you idiots. Yeah. There's a ton of people either. there. You're idiots for trying to do this. Um, but now we had a nice time. We just walked around the city, went to Central Park. Um went to a nice bar that's actually in Grand Central Terminal. I guess we we're just hanging out in train stations, train stations. but uh, Campbell's bar um, up above uh, Grand Central Terminal. Really nice. Um, 
had some fancy cocktails and a good time. So that was cool. And uh, I don't know. It was it was a good weekend for all of us. It was a good week for the Knicks. Guys, we predicted, mostly Greg and I predicted a two and one week. And Ken, and we said that was optimistic. Kenny, you said optimistic was three and oh. And uh turns out you were right. It was it was a three and oh week. Um Pretty awesome. Uh, I guess I guess we can really quickly go through the games here. Um, the first one being Wednesday's game at home against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, this was a really nice one to win. The, you know, it wasn't only because it's the Hawks. It wasn't only because Trey Young was rocking his King of Broadway or whatever his sneakers said. Um, it was just a, a great team performance. Julius Randle was an absolute monster in this one. He finished with 34 points. 17 boards, five assists to zero turnovers. Um, just maybe, I mean, probably his best game of the season. Maybe the Denver Nuggets is in contention there, but uh, this one was really satisfying. Um, and you know, most most of the stuff went right for us in this one. DeJounte, you know, I'll say DeJounte Murray <laughs> rolled his ankle, ankle early on, landing on RJ Barrett's foot. That was unfortunate uh, for the Hawks. And then, you know, Obi Toppin got hurt as well. So that was a bummer. But that was kind of the, the main stuff I saw. Grimes also kind of got going. His three ball was on. He went five of seven from three. Anything there you guys want to to add on to or talk about? I'll say uh, something that I'm sure we're going to talk about um, a decent amount on this pod. Uh, Jalen Brunson, not one of his better games, and it was weird to to see him kind of struggling from from the field in that one. Uh, and then I think that continued on the, the next game as well. And he started to find um, a little bit of something this last game. And then, again, as we, I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, injured. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that that was kind of what I was going to bring up for this next game against uh, Charlotte. It was, uh, it was at Charlotte. Knicks won this one, 121-102. And, yeah, this was it was strange to see Brunson have a second consecutive off shooting night. Um, he did finish the game with 11 assists to two turnovers. So you know, most point guards would sign up for that in a, in a second, but three of 13 from the field. And he just wasn't getting the separation. Wasn't, I mean, it's not like this was a very good Charlotte team. Let's be honest. It was actually a, frankly, a very bad Charlotte Hornets team that we were going against. So it was, it it was just Jalen Brunson was off, you know, it was kind of hard to tell, hard to pinpoint exactly why that was. But again, we got good games from Julius Randle. And I think this might've been RJ Barrett's best game of the season. I don't want to, you know, be hyperbolic there. I just, I think that uh, if, if you look at the numbers and, and kind of how he's been playing this year, he finished this one with 26 points on nine of 18 shooting four assists to just two turnovers, seven boards, um, seven of eight from the free throw line overall, nice efficiency. And um, you know, like I said, the Charlotte team wasn't exactly all that good. So RJ wasn't like getting exposed on defense too, too much in this one. What'd you guys think? Yeah. <clears throat> like you're saying, like the, uh, most of the Hornets were injured, but, you still got to win those games, which is good. I know uh, yesterday the Pacers played against the Nets. The Nets sat essentially their entire team. I know uh, Durant, Kyrie, Simmons all didn't play, but the Nets still won. So it's good that the Knicks were able to win this game. I know we I can't take I'm not going to take for granted that all the other team players were injured, but a win's a win. Yeah, that's what I took away from it. I think the other kind of big takeaway from this one uh, was that Jericho Sims became the the ninth guy in the rotation. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I think back and forth among us, uh, I think probably on Twitter as well, um, as to who was going to take that spot. I think we, we were all um, hoping for Cam. And, you know, I think it looks like Jericho Sims after that game and tonight uh, might be that guy. Um, so we'll we'll see how that unfolds going forward. And I don't think we're surprised by that. I think we all kind of figured that Cam would be out of the rotation. I think like strictly from a winning basketball game standpoint, it probably makes sense to have Cam Reddish play that power forward spot in lieu of the backup four spot um, while Obi's out over someone like, you know, I guess Hartenstein's kind of playing the four to Jericho Sims at the five that happened in the Charlotte game that happened a little bit tonight against Sacramento as well. That's not, that's not a a lineup that's going to like, be successful against good NBA teams. I think we can all acknowledge that. That's not a recipe for success against Charlotte. Didn't kill us by any means. Um, Hartenstein was very good in this one um, against Charlotte, but um, against, 
and I guess we can get, get to tonight's game against the, the Sacramento Kings um, only because we were even more at a loss from the four spot after Julius Randle got himself ejected. He, I'll say he started in that first half with one of his best halves of the season. He had 27 points in that first half and was really just cooking. And then he felt like he got fouled in that third quarter on a drive, no call. He got in, the, in a rookie ref's face, got himself a technical. And then it's unclear to me, I guess he just kept chirping and got himself a second technical. Um, I feel like most experienced refs would kind of hold off on that whistle, but we don't know what was said. But with uh, with Julius Randle sitting out, we mostly saw R.J. Barrett play the four. And so, you know, that's another look that Tibbs could experiment with um, while Obi Toppin's out. We should say, I think Obi had a... Um, was it like a, a fracture of the of the fibular head? Am I saying that right? Um, I don't remember okay. exactly, but that that's what it sounded like to me. Like the top of the bone, there was like a non-displaced back fracture, I believe they said. Um, and they said, you know, he's going to be reevaluated in three to six weeks, which doesn't where two to two to three weeks, which doesn't mean he's going to be back in two to three weeks. Yeah. So I mean, look, <laughs> it's been working the, the last few games. Like we said, <laughs> the Knicks are on a four-game winning streak. The team is playing well. They're playing really hard on defense. They've held the uh, their opponents to under um, – was it – I mean, they held the Hawks to under 90 points. The Hornets scored 102, and the Kings scored just under 100. So, like, obviously the, the defense has been really kicked up a notch here. You could you could point to Miles McBride's inclusion in the rotation, uh, Quentin Grimes getting more minutes. Uh, there's just a lot better kind of perimeter defense. And I mean, you know, with Obi topping out, you've got Isaiah Hartenstein, who's a, a solid defender. I just, I don't see that working at the four so much. So I guess I'm curious, do you guys see um, this kind of rotation? How do you see it evolving as we move forward for these next few weeks? I I don't love it, to be honest with you. I don't, I think like you're saying, Hartenstein's not really a, a stretch four today, you know, they were playing the lineup and they had him playing that, that stretch four spot. He launched two threes and missed them both. Uh, and then at one point there was a play where Jericho Sims was just in the corner and RJ kicked it out to him. But fortunately there was a offensive foul on the play. So we didn't have to see what Jericho Sims was about to do with the ball in the, in the corner. So it's just not offensively going to work uh, and with you know if that lineup is going to be quickly McBride RJ Barrett Hartenstein Jericho Sims uh, that's just not a there's not enough offense there and honestly against good teams there's not going to be enough uh interior defense when you have Hartenstein trying to guard you know stretch for somebody who can actually move I mean hopefully other teams don't have that type of person on their second unit. I don't think most of them would, but some of them I'm sure will have, have somebody. Yeah. And, and I'm with you, Greg. I, I just sent a, a tweet to you guys in the chat and I'll just explain to, to the listeners what's happening in it. And, and Jericho Sims is spaced out to the corner and his man, this is in the Charlotte game. Um, his man completely leaves him unguarded in the corner as you would, as you just described happened uh, today against the Kings. But the Knicks did something really smart. They had Jericho Sims then catch it and just go right into a dribble handoff. And so since there was no one guarding him, there was no one to help on the DHO. So quickly got a wide open three there. And so like, that's the kind of like smart basketball that you just, you have to do stuff like that. If you're going to put yourself at this disadvantage of, of spacing out Jericho Sims, you have to figure out little ways to make that work. Um, and yeah, you're, you're right. That, that play that you're talking about, it was ugly. It was like a record scratch to the offense. Like it was, it wasn't going anywhere and the offensive foul kind of bailed it out, frankly. And that, one thing to, that I think is worth noting is like, I think Tibbs is trying to get as much as he can out of this lineup, but it's not like it's like, uh, Sims is playing a ton of minutes. Just looking at the last two games today, he played eight minutes and, uh, in the last game he played, uh, just 12. So, like, I, I think right now he's going to try to piece it together for as long as he can, but, like, I, I don't expect Sims to get, you know, the even the 17 minutes that Obi was getting. I think it's going to be pretty minimal. And you're, and you're right, Kenny, but I think that the worry there is, like, you look at RJ, he played 44 minutes tonight against Sacramento, 
And that's because he had to play so many at the four. Granted, yeah, Julius Randle was out, and that's not going to be the case a lot. But um, I do think there's going to just be going to be a lot of minutes dispersed. I mean, Quentin Grimes played 42. Um, it's it'll be tough if you're just going with a nine man lineup and Jericho Sims is one of those. Then other guys are going to you know therefore be be playing a lot of minutes, and it's just a lot to ask for of those guys. You know, we 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 see some wear and tear. Um, um, Jalen Brunson, I felt like may have been a little banged up in, earlier in the week, but then he came out and looked really good against Sacramento for the most part. He did finish with the five turnovers, which isn't great and very unlike him. But um, in general, I thought he was like getting to his spots and, and rising up and and hitting his mid rangers. But um, I don't know. I, I think that one thing I want to ask you guys is: so the team is on a four game winning streak. I keep saying it. What's been different, or what's been the biggest difference? For you guys, because this time last week, I, I feel like we were maybe a little bit more level-headed, but a lot of Nick's discourse was like, the sky is falling, Tibbs is getting fired, period, it's happening. Um, the Dallas loss, like all these things. And, um, you know, they're, they're frankly, they're flat out playing better now. So what do you guys think has been the biggest difference? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's clearly the defense. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to, to describe it. I know we, I think we tweeted out um, a couple of days ago that in the first – 23 games the Knicks had uh five quarters where they gave up 20 or less points in the last three games I, I I don't know about today but three games before today there was five quarters in those three games and then there was a lot of chat about you know the defense not um, holding anyone to under 100 points uh at all this season and then three of the last four games they've done that and I think it all comes down to you know they Tibbs has gotten kind of back to his bread and butter which is he has quickly McBride and Grimes all pressuring the defense. And then you have Mitchell Robinson in the center. So like that gives them a little more leeway to, to kind of put a little more pressure on it than um, maybe other teams are able to without a rim protector behind them um, because Mitchell Robinson is able to, you know, erase a lot of mistakes. But I think that's the biggest change that we've seen so far is just that perimeter defense of having, you know, um, more defensive minded guys doing a lot, uh, being a lot more involved in the rotations. Yeah. And Greg, I want to get your take in a second, but I, I do wonder how much of it has to do with like variance and just like, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers did get a good number of, of open three pointers that they missed. If you look at the Atlanta, like first of all, teams are going to have bad games against you. That's part of the season. But, you know, you kind of have to add that in as context to, to what the defense is doing. I think the defense has looked. I mean, just objectively, I test. It looks much better. The ball pressure, the perimeter, uh, not allowing so much dribble penetration. But like the Hawks did shoot 16% from three against a six of 36 Bogdan Bogdanovich shot. O of 10. Like that's just, you know, that's yeah. not kind of, and, kind of stuff that happens very frequently. And it's very much like, I, I, I thought about tweeting it. I don't know if it was last game or two games ago, but there's very, very much a regression to the mean happening. Right. Like I think we said in previous podcasts, like sometimes people make shots, but like the, the clip at which the, I think it was the Celtics, and then I don't know who we played after the Celtics, but like there were three straight games where people just made a ridiculous amount of threes. And now the last couple games, it's been a little bit of the opposite. And it's all everything regressing to the mean of what you would expect to happen because, um, you know, over the course of a season, people aren't going to make a ridiculous amount of threes on you every night and people are going to miss. And so uh, we just happen to have been in one of those stretches where people are missing a little mo bit more often, but I'm not going to take take away from you know that being uh, at least a little bit caused by the improved defense yeah and tonight i mean the, the kings were not very good from three they were 10 for 39 25.6 percent but neither were the knicks but the, the kings weren't even making their free throws tonight they were shot 23 for 35 left 12 points on the board which was just very fortunate i would say it would have been a completely different game if the Kings just made you know six or seven more free throws and it becomes like a, a two possession game so but i agree with everything you guys are saying the defense has been been very different from what we had seen with fournier and uh derrick rose being getting their minutes and with uh but to, to to change it up and give a different answer even though i agree that's the main point having grimes in that uh starting lineup in the role that he's playing it completely changes it because, you know, he's not a guy like Cam Reddish who needs the ball in his hands to, to make things happen. He, he's just a, a shooter, but then every now and then he just, when he gets the ball, he make he can make an explosive play if he needs to. And today 
when Julius Randle was doubled, <clears throat> there was a the ball made its way to Quentin Grimes. He you know made a cut and made a, a nice um, uh, assist to Mitchell Robinson for a dunk, which was great. So he's very shockingly athletic, uh, explosive when when you see him try to make a move. So I'll say Quentin Grimes is making a a big change for the Knicks. Yeah, and I think that I I that's a very good call, Greg, because he's. Um, like you said, Cam Reddish is a little more of a you know one-on-one player, and I think the types of plays that Grimes provides is just like very quick decisions, and he makes he he has been getting his teammates easy buckets, and it's you know even if he's not involved in every play, like you can stop runs that way, right? Like when you're going one-on-one, it's more likely that you know you could go cold uh, every once in a while, but if you're playing within the flow of the offense, like Quentin Grimes has been, and you, you're finding your opportunities like that's that's tough to take away and so I think that that has been big yeah no I, I think that's a great call as well um I, I wonder how much of it has to do we, we've talked a little bit about him but Julius Randle kind of becoming that guy again like looking a lot like he did two seasons ago um just looking at the last six games uh he's averaging 27 points uh he's he's shooting 10 three-pointers a game hitting 36 percent some of those are like tough step backs. These are not, it, it seems like even, especially today, he was missing a lot of the open ones and then hitting some of the really tough ones. But to go along with those 27 points, he's putting up nine boards, four assists, and just fewer than two turnovers. Like he's making really sound decisions on the offensive end and he's not killing us on defense. Like earlier this season, putting putting Julius Randle in a pick and roll was the best offense in the league. Um, like if you could get Julius Randle to try and defend your pick and roll, you were going to score. It seems like he's kind of with his offense taking a step up. He's also locked in a little bit more on the defensive end or just isn't killing us so much. And that's, that's huge. If he can just be like as close to neutral as possible on the defensive end and be this stud on offense, that is an extremely valuable player. Um, he was drawing all the double teams. Like you said, Greg, making the right plays out of them. There was the one where he told RJ Barrett to cut. Like he was very emphatic, like you you have yeah. to do this, really telegraphing the play, pointed and, and RJ Barrett listened and it worked out, it ended up being a lob for Mitch. Um so like there's a little some of that leadership stuff. It was concerning to see him uh get the double technicals and, and be ejected, but um I I'm hoping that doesn't carry over. There's no carryover there because he's been playing so well recently. Yeah, and he's been like you said, his defense is better. A lot of that is just you could see that he's just trying harder, and then it's just effort. And then, like you said, he's just directing traffic on the offensive end. It's not just uh, it's not just him knocking down more shots. It's him, you know, better creating process. for others and making stuff happen. And actually, he has been switching more on defense. I've noticed that. Like, there's been a lot of times where in the past when there was a screen pick and roll with like RJ Barrett defending the ball handler and Julius Randle guarding the screener, there'd be some kind of miscommunication. Now they're just switching it. Now it's just like RJ. I mean, because RJ is strong enough to guard a lot of power forwards. Julius Randle is quick enough to guard plenty of, you know, wings. It is a, it's a no brainer switch. Like I feel like that's something they should have done a long time ago, but it's happening now. And it's, it's really when, when Julius Randle is engaged and on ball, He's a very good defender. We've seen the clips of him locking up Luka Doncic in years past. Like he, when the spotlight's on him, he will defend and he will move his feet. He's very quick. Um, I think he's even quicker, like more fleet of foot than RJ Barrett is. Frankly, I think he's better at closeouts and stuff like that. It's just when he's off ball, he loses his attention, his attention spans just very short. And, you know, it leads to offensive rebounds for the other team and stuff like that. So um, yeah, bottom line is Julius Randle's been, you know, these numbers are looking like all-star type numbers. I don't know who has the best case for, for all, like if the Knicks get an all-star, whether it be Brunson or Julius right now, it's like kind of a coin flip, just, you know, the, the momentum right now would say Julius Randall, cause he's had the, the good games recently, whereas Brunson struggled a little bit, but, um, and we'll have to see how that, how that foot injury kind of plays out. But yeah, um, between the defense and, and Julius Randall and Quentin Grimes, like this team's really clicking. It's been, it's been, probably the most fun part of the season to watch so far. Yeah. And I just want to just again, highlight, I think I mentioned it at the end of the pod last week, like this is the time when the Knicks need to be at their best because the next, 
through like the middle of January, this is the um, softest part of their schedule. We saw them play a lot of like top end talent to start the season. And there's going to be a lot of top end talent at the end of the season. But right now it's a lot of the kind of middle tier teams. There's a few good teams in there, but it's, it's mostly middle tier teams and, uh, and lower, lower echelon teams. So if the Knicks can capitalize over the next month and a half, build some confidence or over the next half a month, uh, and build some confidence, like could be interesting. Yeah. And just to kind of back up what we've been saying about the defense, um, Right now, I'm looking at cleaning the glass. The Knicks have the 15th ranked defense. So they are league average, but just over a week ago, they were like the 26th. They're they were a bottom five defense when we were doing this. Um, yeah. It, maybe like, you know, just over a week ago. So in, in the last two weeks, they've been a top four defense. Um, and that's been what's been kind of carrying them. And uh, to your point, Kenny, that's been the biggest kind of marker for their success. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, we we keep calling out like Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes, but it the other thing is it's not just what they're doing in the half court. It's also the fact that they're playing offense. They're often um, like above the free throw line, so when a shot goes up, they're the ones getting back in transition. Like those those guys, Deuce McBride in transition on defense is a problem. Like before it was Derek Rose and, and, you know, Jalen Brunson, I, I love Brunson, but he's kind of too small to be doing it. So when he's out guys like Deuce and, and Grimes are just so much better in transition. And that was killing the Knicks early on this season. We're not seeing that as much anymore. I mean, how much more can we talk about the defense guys? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess like going forward, like, do we, do we expect, I'm trying to decide like what's kind of next for this team. Like currently the Knicks sit at 14 and 13. They are, I believe I'm refreshing the standings right now. I believe they're the, I think it's seventh. I have them tied with uh, the Pacers at 14 and 13. So whether that's seventh or eighth, I'm not sure who has the, the tiebreaker between those two. Um, I think I've got them in eighth right now, but either sixth, way, sixth or seventh, they're both fourteen and thirteen. I, my NBA beyond the ESPN says six and seventh. They're tied for. And did the Hawks game just wrap up? Is that why they're they're fourteen and thirteen now as well? They must have just won. Oh, yeah, that is what happened. So they're tied for sixth, seventh, and eighth. Look, the East is tight right now. It is it is tightly packed. Um, it, it's kind of it's tough to know how this is going to shake out. Uh, do you guys think that this current hot streak is going to like continue, or or do you think that like has your perception of this team changed in recent weeks, or is this still a five hundred team? I feel like I always play the middle ground. Like I haven't been getting too high or too low, and I, I very much still feel like this is a, a five hundred team. But like I said, they are in the soft part of their schedule right now. So like if they can beat the teams that they're supposed to beat over the next couple of weeks and build some confidence, then like that is very much kind of the case of what happened to them uh, two years ago when they went on that 14 game winning streak and they won, you know, um, all of those games against teams they were supposed to be beating and then, you know, throw in a couple wins against some of the, the top end NBA talent. And, you know, it's uh, basketball. A lot of it is about confidence. And if, if they can build that confidence over the next few weeks, like I think they have the chance to be better than that. I think their talent is very much a, 500 level talent yeah and another thing i don't we haven't really talked much about is you know jalen brownson got injured today it's uh you know if he's actually injured then then definitely not i would say but you know depending on how long he's actually out for it didn't kenny says that tip says it's an ankle sprain which could be any amount of time you know you see people sprain their ankle and just continue to play see people sprain their ankle and be out four to six weeks. So depending on, on which way it is, I don't, I don't know. Um, but like Kenny said, it's, it's a soft part of the schedule. So I, I guess they could, they could do good if, if Randall continues to be 2020 Randall, then, then yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, so Kenny, you were saying that there was a an update that and Tibbs said that it was just an ankle sprain. 
Yeah. So Tibbs announced in the the post game conference that it was an angle sprain. He is. He said he was unsure if he will be available to play in their next game uh, on Wednesday. Um, but that is as much as I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean that you know missing one, two, even three games. That's not the end of the world here as long as it's not a long-term thing i mean there there were a couple scares in this king's game he had that one really nasty spill where he went uh up for a, a layup against keegan murray and you know M- murray did stay pretty vertical but but brunson came down hard on his hip and like on his elbow it, it really looked pretty ugly and it sounded terrible too so i you know it was it was impressive that he even stayed in the game at that point and then and then the the foot injury, the ankle tweak, like that is, that's a rough day. He was really taking a beating. And um, yeah, if the Knicks have any chance of kind of staying in the playoff picture, Brunson's going to have to be healthy, obviously, and be a huge part of that. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to be, because, you know, if Brunson misses time and, and Obi's still out, like the, the rotation a- gets thin real quick, you know, like we yeah. don't know whether Derek Rose is, is getting the Cam Reddish treatment where he's like out, out at this point. But you know, it's, it's going to be like, we don't know if like, is, is a guy like Svi going to start to get minutes? It's, it's tough to know what, what Tibbs is going to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, that would just be insane, but Tibbs is just so stubborn that you really have no idea. Like once you're, like you said, once you're out, you appears like you're actually out. There's been games after he benched Fournier where, where it would have made sense to put Fournier in the, in the game. And, he just refused to do so tonight. Randall got ejected halfway through the third, and you know he stuck to his his nine man rotation with Sims only playing eight total minutes. So I, I, it's those minutes are going to add up, but you know that's never been a thing Tibbs cared about, even though he should. Uh, but I guess we'll see what happens. I think I think Derrick Rose has to play if Brunson is injured. There's really no other other option um i would guess that's the case but i mean i think there there are other options like i you could see them putting like it maybe iq starting at the point guard and then like condensing it even further but like i just can't imagine that they're going to go with both obi and if jalen brunson is out like i can't imagine they're going to shrink to the lineup that much that's just not enough people yeah i don't, I don't... but who knows? I mean, there's it just hurts because there are options who are NBA quality players on this bench, and then I hopefully we we use them. Yeah, I saw Emmanuel quickly was asked about the possibility of starting um, if Brunson can't play. This is a tweet from Fred Katz, and quickly responded, "My guy's hurt, so I'm not really worried about who's starting and who's not." So, okay, I like that from quickly. Um, doesn't answer the question though. Doesn't give us any information, but <laughs> it kind of shows us a little bit of his character. So we like that. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, look, I'm not one of. The, I came into the season very low on Cam Reddish. He impressed me early on. He had some kind of clunkers uh, before he was removed from the rotation. Obviously, the Dallas game was was brutal. Was brutal for him, but I don't think a guy should be removed from the rotation for one or even two bad games. We have other guys who have been able to play through their issues. Um, you know, there are guys who the franchise has made serious commitments towards, like an R.J. Barrett, who struggled early on. He obviously gets the benefit of the doubt. But Cam Reddish, to your point, Greg, is an, is an NBA rotation player, flat out. Like, that's what he is. And so, you know, whether they're not playing him because they, like, actually have him on the trade block and they don't want to risk an injury, maybe that's a part of it. But... You know, if it's if it's just like a stubbornness, it, it's kind of unfortunate. It it just kind of defies logic. If if your goal is to win as many games as possible, I would think adding Cam Reddish to this rotation would be your solution to to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I I think I talked about it a while ago, but I think like it seems to be a thing in the NBA that like if you're one of those guys and you get benched, then like they will try their best not to put you in the game. I I don't know if it's like a out of like respect or something situation. Cause like I talked about it with Stefan Marbury when he was on the Knicks and he got benched and it was like a whole drama because I think there was an injury and they tried to send him in and he was against that idea. Um, but like, it, it is something that I have seen before. Um, so like, I don't know if it's a Tibbs thing. Um, and I just, 
like to the extent there's any possibility of him being in the lineup, like you would think that um, it would have been with with Obi Obi Toppin going out. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not going to put those guys in at in garbage time, but. Like, I mean, I understand Stefan Marbury is also a crazy person. Uh, but if there's like an actual opportunity to like 20 minutes per game and actually meaningful minutes in the first half, you have to assume that, you know, you're, it, I wouldn't feel disrespected to be had to put back into the game after, I don't know, it's only been benched for four games. But, but I, then, I understand what you're saying that 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 has happened with other people before, but we're just we're just depleted right now. Yeah, and I mean that, then there I I don't know like again I don't know the reason for it I don't know if it's like once because then once people come back like I think he's very much set on going back to the rotation so like you're ba- like again I I don't know the reason for it but it, I think there's just a sense that it's kind of improper to to use a guy that way. Um, when you know you have no intention of keeping him in the in the rotation, but again, like I agree, I think Cam likely would have made a lot of a lot of sense to to play in the last couple of games. But it's just again, because we'll, that's why you have depth, you know, for yeah. when guys yeah. go down, other people can step into those roles. Like and then you know, like when they get healthy, yeah, like that's the understanding. But uh, maybe maybe there's like a Cam Reddish doesn't see himself as that type of end of the bench type of player, and so that disconnect. You know, maybe it causes an issue in the locker room. I, I would think that the greater issue would be not playing. You know, it's like you think that this situation is better than than me getting onto the court. Like, it, my biggest thing is like Tibbs. He tries to wring as many wins out of this team as possible. Like that's always been his whole thing. He's maniacal about winning games, and Cam Reddish would, you know, objectively be the the best choice to do that. And so. Um, you know, that this is not a, a tanking thing. This is not a pl- play the kids more for development. This is a team trying to win as many games as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's like all on Tibbs. There's just, you know, you would think that the organization would be able to, to have the latitude to, to do that, to play Cam Reddish. He's on their roster. They're paying him, get him on the court. We need him. But, um, clearly that's, that's not the case. Maybe that's a fantasy um, so I want you guys to like put on your GM caps here. And like, I think that like trade season's about to heat up here pretty soon. We've started to hear some rumors. If you're the GM of the Knicks, like, or the, or the president of operations or whoever makes these decisions at this point, are you guys looking to make like a, whether it's a splashy trade or a little trade on the, on the periphery to like make this team better? Or are you good with, with this group we have? you know, playing the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know what position you would be looking at to, to upgrade. There's, you have your your center, your front courts. There's no possible spot for anyone in the front court. Um, <clears throat> in the back court, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I mean, really have no idea. And, uh, like we just said, we have – NBA quality players who are the type of people who you would trade for if you wanted to jolt your team like Cam Reddish, but they have no interest in, in playing him. So why are they going to have interest in playing somebody else? I, 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 I don't think, I don't see a yeah. trade. I, I don't see a trade. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I agree uh, with Greg that I don't see them kind of bringing in more talent. I think this all goes along with kind of what the front office is plan, which is to like, build up as many trade chips as possible and then hold on to them. And like right now, those guys are getting value. Like IQ, Grimes, uh, Deuce, like everyone who's playing, like you're adding to their value with the hopes that eventually some of that young talent can either be traded with some of the draft picks that they've stocked up or they can be, you know, um, surrounding players for a, a big name coming in along with, you know, the rest of the, the Guzman team, Julius Randle, uh, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett. So, like, that's I think that's the game plan is like they're going to try to get as much value as possible. And whether that means, you know, potentially trading someone off for something that they deem might have a little more value, like a draft pick or, you know, something else, I don't know. Um, I think it 
Like it would be a tough time to to trade a guy like Cam Reddish right now, now that he's out of the rotation. But uh, you know, and at the same time, I think Knicks fans would be very upset if they traded one of those those young guys who is in the rotation. But like at the same time, this is this is when they're earning, they're getting some value, and you know that that might be a move. So like I wouldn't be surprised if if one of those guys got traded for for something that the the front office deemed valuable for a future trade. Yeah, for like I not mean, a player I'll, coming back. You're saying you're like for yeah. Like a- I I don't see them taking someone back because, like Greg said, I just don't know where they would play. Yeah, I I, I don't know if Cam Reddish's trade value is that low right now. I mean, he basically, like Tom said, he got benched for one or two bad games, but he was showing that he was a contributor for for a while. So I I think he showed enough to 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 not have this sitting out tank his value and it hasn't been that long since he was playing those minutes the one thing i would like i would trade for is someone to take some of rj barrett's minutes but that is cam reddish and not just because i rj barrett is tough to watch play basketball but also because he plays so many minutes like he plays more minutes than he should play if he was good at basketball now i'll just jump in and say that uh steve popper um, reported recently that right now the offers coming in for Cam Reddish are, you know, second round picks and um, players on rookie scale contracts that are different uh, types of players. Uh, but I, again, I don't know that that's what the Knicks want for Cam Reddish. So I mean, uh, he's, we... he is expiring this year. So I don't know how much his value is for a guy who's, you know, on an expiring deal and not playing. And when he, yeah. And if, and I, I guess I didn't realize he was expiring, but that that makes sense. So I mean, he's, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, if that's the case, and the Knicks have no intention of resigning him, then like, I could see them flipping or very easily flipping him. Because uh, like, if he's not going to play and they're not going to resign him, then like, what's the point? So like, I I could very easily see them trading him. Um, and then to caveat my answer from before, Tom, um, I don't see them bringing in any talent unless like someone big comes on the market and then you know they have all of this stocked up for that that plan to make a move yeah and that that would obviously be very surprising i think like a few a couple weeks ago we were talking about or there were just these ideas floating around about consolidation trades like we have too many nba caliber players we should be trading like two players for one sort of thing to try and consolidate the roster but with the injuries and stuff, like it, it gets depleted pretty fast. Like it, it's kind of hard to imagine trying to to consolidate right now. Um, but to your point about Cam Reddish, like being traded for a different type of player, I mean, I think Greg nailed it. Like you'd want a wing. I mean, we are, the wings right now are R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes. Um, you know, IQ and, and Deuce slot in as like little wings sometimes, but they are you know they're basically guard. They're guards. Like that's what they are. So. Um, if we're talking about defending like opposing teams, wing players, it's really just Grimes and RJ. Um, and I, I, so to Greg's point, like that is the position that you would want. And like Cam Reddish can fill that sh- slot. So like what I was saying is that was what was being offered. And I just don't think that that's what the Knicks need. Cause the Knicks ha- are pretty, pretty set as Greg said at the front court. And like with Jalen Brunson, IQ, you know, presumably Deuce, they have, you know, Derek Rose on the bench. So like they have guys capable of playing point. So I just don't know that they're trying to upgrade it. Like, I don't know what the middle of the pack upgrade guys that they would get in that situation would be. I'm going to be fascinated to see what this front office does. Um, whether like this win streak makes them want to be more aggressive, you know, or like, you know, just this uptick in play overall makes them want to be more aggressive in the trade market. Or if they're kind of, they see it maybe a little bit more how, how we do a little more clear eyed. Like this is kind of, it's a 500 team. It's going to have ups and downs. They'll fall three games below 500. They'll jump a couple of games above 500, but like, it's probably going to be a 500 team. Um, you know, it's, it's not the, like the most, it's not the sexiest answer. Right. And I don't know that like, if you're a fan kind of what exactly you should be rooting for other than just like young guys developing, that's kind of what, that's kind of what we've been yeah. It's been our mantra year after year is just watching the young guys develop. And I think that's why it can be. I'm, I'm not trying to go on a down note here because this isn't, you know, this is a positive time in the season. But you no, know, RJ Barrett's development for me has been the biggest storyline of the season. Like him 
getting better and proving he's a better basketball player than he has shown so far this year is the number one priority because he like, as of now, unless he gets traded, obviously, like he's the kind of the future, he's a future, huge piece of this franchise. And so when he plays bad, it makes everything seem a lot worse than it is probably. Yeah. I agree with that. Especially since, you know, he was signed to that monster extension before he had to be, uh, He's not gonna, he would have been a restricted free agent, same time as Cam. And so I had the this year to evaluate him again before making that deal. But I guess they wanted to make amends after having him on the trading block for Donovan Mitchell. And that <clears throat> they gave him the deal, which you know I was fine with. You know, you gotta sign your your big guy, but he just hasn't been who I want him to be on or who Tibbs Tibbs plays him like he's, you know, Lou Aldang or Jimmy Butler, that guy he always had on the bulls, but he's just, is not that person. He, his defense, I feel like has gotten worse than it was in the, all three of the last, his first three seasons. And so, yeah, Greg, I feel like, you know, some listeners might listen, like hear you talk about him and be like, this dude just had 27 points, nine boards, <laughs> six assists, like three steals and two blocks. First of all, I am positive. I don't even need, I don't even need to look it up. Five stocks, steals and blocks is by far his most this year. Like he so rarely gets steals and so rarely gets blocks. The fact that he finished this game with two and three like three steals, two blocks, that's insane to me actually. I did not realize it until yeah. I just looked at the box score. After, but- after I think after his first block Mike Breen said it was either either his third block of the season or his fifth block of the season, a very low odd number that was like lower than Jalen Brunson, like yeah. like a shockingly no low number of blocks. So um and, and steals same way, but and Greg, to your point, like they're they're just I saw I think it was locked on Knicks, one of our competitor podcasts, tweeted that like <laughs> it was a, a game where RJ had such high highs and just crazy low lows. And like the low lights are they do stand out. Like he gets he gets beat back door. He gets destroyed on a closeout. He doesn't box out multiple p- plays in a row and, you know, leads to offensive rebounds for, for Sacramento. So these are the kinds of things that like stand out as whether it's hustle or just like mindset things that, that really frustrate you as a fan. Um, but I think we can, we can recognize those things and also say his play has improved in recent weeks. Yeah. Like he is not, there was a case for him being the worst player in the league, like the most detrimental, harmful player in the league period for a while there. He's not that right now. He He's just playing a ton of minutes and still, you know, still has his defensive miscues, his bad closeout, sloppy footwork, all that stuff is still there, but he's, he's playing better overall and we're trending in the right direction. Yeah. He's yeah. doing a lot T- today. I mean, his jumper was not, Still wasn't there. Um, I mean, he hit one three, uh, but he, was, he had two threes. So he was doing I, so a good I, job I, of getting to the rim. I was shocked to see that he was two of six for three because it seemed to me like that he took a lot more and he missed a lot more than that. Um, but maybe it was just because he was very wide open whenever he was taking them. Yeah. And he, um, shot, he shot two on the fast break, which was just, you're not the guy to shoot threes on the fast break. Yeah, but he also, like, early in this game, he was making all of his shots at the rim, and then he went cold for a streak, like, I think at the end of the third and into the fourth quarter. But, you know, when he was making those inside, those layups, like, that's what you need from R.J. Barrett. Like, that's the player that you want him to be, and that is a large part of the reason that he got to, to 27 points today. Uh, but it just has – it's been inconsistent. But, like, to Tom's point, I think over the last few weeks, it is definitely, like, a vast, vast, vast improvement. Uh, from what we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, and he was – we said Julius Randle got ejected and Jalen Brunson got injured, so he was the guy who had to carry this next team through the th- fourth quarter with that – you know, he had, they had the, a 15-point buffer to start, but that's still – that lead can disappear pretty quickly in the NBA. And he was able to do it. I mean, I didn't love how he – how he you know, he was kind of in a hurry a lot of the time. Um but you know, sometimes it's tough to change your playing style just because you're winning, and that that'll lead you to lose. But I don't. He didn't do a lot of smart things. I know at one point he just went for it with like you know 18 on the shot clock with like on the fast break with 
I don't know, under three minutes left, and then he missed two free throws, which hurt. But he did have some some nice finishes at the rim and just taking it and driving. I mean, he didn't have a lot of a lot of other options on the court. Um, there weren't many. There were zero other creators really, other than you know, quickly and and Grimes, who are both you know secondary uh, and usually tertiary. So. He he did what he had to do in that fourth quarter, so I I, I appreciated that. Oh, yeah, when I'm looking at RJ, like for me, I I feel like maybe this is just kind of hope misplaced hope, but uh, like the touch around the rim and on floaters, I think will improve. Like over his career, over his Knicks career, it will improve. What I look for when I watch him is is he making the right pass. Is he like actually trying to make his teammates better with the pass with assists? It's not always with assists. Like sometimes he makes nice passes and the guys don't hit their shots. That happens too. happens to everyone. But I think his process has been better lately. He would like today in the first half, he was looking for guys around the, around the three point line. You mentioned the Jericho Sims one. That was just one example. He threw a really nice live dribble, right-handed hook pass to the corner for Deuce McBride's first three of the game. And like those were not looks he was making earlier this season. So I think that some of that stuff is really encouraging. And then I'm going to go back to the five stocks he had. Like you'd have to go to, if you added up his last eight games combined before that, you would get a combined five stocks. So like that's just a level of activity on defense that we have not seen from him this season. It was pretty awesome. He was making rotations at that, like when he was playing power forward, he had to be down low more, had to be guarding bigger guys on the block. He was making those right rotations. And uh, and that one block he had was that, you know, the kind of highlight one yeah. was uh, was pretty sweet. So and I did look I did look it up and he had two blocks coming into this game and he had you saying he had two blocks tonight. So that was that was different. Yeah. 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 It was, it was also- really encouraging just to see how it he wasn't always engaged, but he was just more active. Like steals and blocks are indications of activity. I don't feel like he's he's just this season. He's been very rarely active. His hands are not up. He's not like ready. He's not ready to make a play today. He was, and that's that's progress, and we need to note it. Yeah, and, and I'll, in our in our uh, group chat, we did, we had some we made some jokes about he was doing a very good job of when Julius Randle was double teamed and nobody was guarding him, but. And honestly, he he really was doing a very good job when he when he got the ball in that situation. I think he had he scored four points and had two assists on you know a very short span of time. I mean, look, that's just... the Draymond Green role, right? Like <laughs> Steph Curry gets doubled on ball, and and Draymond Green has to go make a play. Draymond Green's going to be a Hall of Famer off of plays like that. So, like, granted, he's also like an all-world defensive player, but like that's an important role in the offense to be able to take advantage of those, of those types of plays. So yeah, our RJ look, we're hard on him because we, we like him. Like we want him to be very good on this team. And so, you know, it, it's frustrating to see. So some of the lack of effort, the offensive rebounding uh, or allowing offensive rebounds rather um, it, it's tough to watch. And again, his, his lows are very low, but again, it's all we're on the right trajectory. Kenny, anything you want to say there? Yeah, I mean, I think just kind of the way we were also talking about uh, Julius Randle and, you know, how he's improved and, on you know, with his offensive improvement, there's come uh, a little bit of a, a step in the right direction on the, the defensive side. And, you know, I think it might be the same thing with R.J. Barrett. Like, as his offensive numbers continue to go in the right direction, I might, I think you might see, you know, a new mentality. Because, like, like I said earlier, like, basketball is a very, like, it's it's about confidence and if you're not confident about like what you're doing on the offensive end i think that that leaks into his game on the defensive end and like greg said like he hasn't been even the defender he was the last couple seasons so um i think i i would hope that you know as his his offense continues to to get better uh his defense takes starts to starts to do the same all right guys let's look ahead to next week um We've got the same kind of format. We've got a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday game again this upcoming week. Um, Wednesday at Chicago. Friday at Chicago again. That's kind of not fun. but It's kind of boring. Um, And then Sunday wrapping it up with a 5 p.m. game at Indiana against the Pacers. 
Um, you know, Chicago has been really bad this year. They've been, I think they're 11 and 15. So they're the 11 seed in the East. Um, they're five and five in their last 10. So the, like they've been playing 500 ball recently as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's kind of hard to beat a team, the same team two times in a row back to back like that. Like it would not shock me if we split those. Um, but Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't optimistic enough last week. Um, and then the Pacers are where are they ranked at right now? Oh, they're, they're 14 and 13 as well. They're four and six in their last 10. So they're not lighting the world on fire, but, um, look, these are obviously, these are all three winnable games. Uh, I can see the Knicks going two and one here. Like realistically, are you guys, how are you guys feeling? Are we doing this as a pod? Cause I, I think I made a personal commitment on this pod earlier in the season that if Knicks were on a winning streak, I wasn't going to predict losses. So yeah. And these are also the teams that are in the Knicks neighborhood. And these are the teams that you have to be. Um, but I mean, the Hawks, while we were talking earlier uh, about how the Hawks game had just ended, they actually beat the Bulls on a buzzer beater uh, tonight in overtime. So the Bulls were winning, and then the, the Hawks threw an alley oop with 0.5 seconds left, and they won instead. So hmm. they the, the Bulls are going to be hurting. They'll definitely want to win one of these games more so than than usual. So. I don't know. They have to beat the Bulls at least once. Otherwise, things are bad. My vote's 3 0. The Pacers are a team that we're tied with. So, so can you think of 7 Let's do it. You're thinking a seven game winning streak. I don't I don't think on these things. That sounds right? good to me. Like yeah. I, I said, if the Knicks are on a winning streak, I'm not going to predict losses. Yeah, I'm, I'm early in the seven season. Game winning streak, too. That'd be pretty cool. I, I wonder what the longest winning streak is in the Tibbs era. I don't have that information in front of me. They, they won 14, 14 in a row. The, his first year, remember? Fourteen. Yeah, that's that was their big streak in the the bubble season. Who can remember the bubble season? I do, apparently. Mickey Mouse. Uh, yeah. All right, all right, guys. Well, um, okay, I think we're good there. Want to quickly transition to uh, America's favorite sub podcast? What else is on? Of course. Greg, what else is on? Um. So I watched. The Big Sick this weekend. That's a good film. First time I've seen it. First watch. It was good. I enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. Uh, watching the White Lotus series finale tonight or season finale tonight. And I don't know if I told you guys this on the pod last week. I also been watching Atlanta, which you know was good. And then season yeah. three is weird. It's like Black Mirror. It's like Black Mirror. I just assume it was Community, like the extended version of Community. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to make one correction. So I just went back and looked. It was it was a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine game winning streak, and they went uh, twelve out of thirteen. So there was okay. no fourteen in the mix. Okay, a nine game winning streak. That sounds more doable. Yeah, fourteen sounded a little crazy. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't I don't know where the fourteen came from. Um, but. How how do you like Atlanta, Greg? I, I started watching that a couple years ago. I think I watched the first season and then I I uh, trailed off. The first two seasons are good when they're on the like actual storyline with the the rapper Paperboy. Yeah. Boy. It's good, but like the season three, they do just like Black Mirror episodes. Hmm. So weird. All right. Good to know. It's like season uh, four of Community. Just gonna keep bringing you back to community. Uh, what have I been watching? What have I been watching? I uh, I recently went through the entirety of Inside Job on um on Netflix because that was trending or something. It's a you know a kind of not Simpsons Family Guy type um, cartoon with a lot of kind of famous voices that you'd recognize. Um, and you know I enjoyed it. It's uh, largely about like secret communities running the world um but in a humorous way not in a serious way what's going what are you watching what else is on over there Tom? um yeah still white lotus all cut up very pumped for the finale i think i'm going to catch that tomorrow night um but 
yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with theorizing, trying to decide who who's going to die, what how's it going to happen. It's it's been fun. Um, and I I do think I like this season more than last season. I think. Um, I don't know if that's controversial or not. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Rose and I are trying to, uh, you know, catch up on on Christmas movies that we haven't watched. Um, we we started Scrooge the other day with Bill Murray. And it's, you know, it's the story of Scrooge. It's Christmas Carol. And we did not finish it. And I don't think we're going to return to it. We just <laughs> we just weren't that into it. It's fine. That's, that's probably one of those movies that you had to have grown up with. It was not as good as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So I did watch that uh, immediately after we recorded the podcast last week. And I, I, I enjoyed it. It's good, right? I mean, yeah. I liked uh, the Elaine. Kenny, Kenny's character. talking about Scrooged. No. <laughs> uh, talking about... Uh, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation, but um, again, like I think there was a there was a certain sentimentality of like stuff you grew up with because like I enjoyed it. Like I, I don't think it's something that I'm just gonna like go and watch regularly. Like I don't know, like Home Alone. I, maybe it's because Home Alone is always on, but like Home Alone, we also watched as children on like VHS, and so I feel like that one has a that one sticks a little more. Home Alone's the goat. All right, guys. Well, I gotta wrap this one up, but uh, this was fun. Knicks are winning four game winning streak. That's awesome. Uh, if you're still listening to this, we appreciate you. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all the stuff. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Talking Knicks. Follow us on YouTube, as I mentioned at the top. Um, putting out a lot of content there. And so uh, we will catch you guys next week. Until then, let's go Knicks. Knicks take.